Hi, I'm Tracy Minoknuku, the host of the Sexy Aging Podcast and author of My Menopause Memoir. I started my podcast to open up the conversation for women transitioning through menopause because nobody was talking about it. In my podcast, you'll have all your questions on midlife health, fitness, longevity, career changes, and relationships answered with some of the world's leading experts in these fields. Midlife is an amazing time to evaluate how you're going to live the second half of your life. I recommend you do this with a bit of sass and keep it sexy. You can find my podcast anywhere you tune in to listen to your favourite podcasts. When Bevan James Isles, international fitness presenter, founder of his own run club and podcaster, had an epiphany that as fitness professionals we were failing in fitness to get more people moving, he decided to do something about it. Bevan wrote the book, I Will Make You Passionate About Exercise, and from the looks of things, it's exactly the kind of resource that people that have always been wary of exercise need to get them started. Bevan and I go way back to the Les Mills days when I was Bevan's training manager and he was beginning his journey to become one of New Zealand's leading body attack instructors, and lots has happened since. In this episode, we dive into the psychology of exercise adherence and why it's as important as ever to keep moving as you age and maintain longevity. I loved my catch up with Bevan because we are talking all things fitness, but I think if you've tried to start an exercise regime and it hasn't gone to plan, you will really love this episode of Sexy Aging. Hey, well, this is a really exciting day for me on the Sexy Aging Podcast. Welcome to Bevan Isles. Now, Bevan and I go back, I don't know, let me think, three decades. I actually met you, I met you, it was um, my module, my trainer module in Wellington. You, you, you and Maureen took it a long time ago. Train the trainer, yeah. Yeah. Like way back. So if any Les Mills trainers are listening to this now, they'll be going like, who, what? because <laughs> that was quite a long time ago you know and I actually still stay in touch with Maureen amazing lady um she's mentored me personally throughout my whole career so but uh getting back to Bevan I was doing your intro bro oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> all right so um Bevan is a fitness professional across multiple um modes he also is I think the founder or CEO of a running club thing, but you can tell us about that. Um, where we have the connection is you're a Les Mills instructor. We're all, you know, we've always loved teach face front teaching, teaching to people in front of us. Um, so it's really cool to see that you're still doing that as well. You're a presenter, international presenter across um, Les Mills International, um, and author. This is super cool, and this is where we've reconnected. Author of I Will Make You Passionate About Exercise, a book. Uh, I was delighted to see the actual topic um, and the point of view that you've come to to write a book like this for people that probably don't see exercise as very sexy at all mm. um, and how you can speak to them and maybe help them realize that it's actually an amazing part of life and you are missing out and here's how you can get going. So I really want to touch on that as well. But um, tell us a little bit more about yourself, Bevan. Uh, still in Christchurch, yes? Yes. Um, so, so my life is fitness and, and a bit like Tracy, um, I've just, I'm very fortunate that I've always loved exercise and, and, you know, I've been in the game for a long time now. I've been teaching fitness for 25 years nearly. Um, and I'm just, you know, I've always been someone who's, 
I like I like that I have two angles. That a, I've been a pretty high level athlete, so I've been an Ironman triathlete and kind of racing at a pro level. And then I've also had uh, this component of helping other people loving exercise. So you know, like through Les Mills, through my running business, and so on. And and the story, uh, my basic story, is around ten years ago, I was actually in Florida with a good friend of our both of ours, Mid Thomas. And I'm in Florida. We're in we're at a fitness convention, and Mid turns around to me and she goes, "Bevan, you realise we're failing with fitness." And I'm like, what do you mean we're failing with fitness? And she goes, well, if you look at the people in our society, less people are moving and more people are putting on weight. And, you know, if you looked at my life right then, I was a pro athlete. I'd won New Zealand Fitness Instructor of the Year. I was traveling the world presenting fitness. Like, I thought I was killing fitness. And this moment was just a real kind of a light bulb moment for me. You know, you know, sometimes in life you have those moments which are a real epiphany. It's like you see a color that you've never seen before. And in that moment, that's what I experienced. And, and as much as it was quite daunting, it inspired me to think, well, can I do something to help those who aren't successful with exercise? And at the time I had a running business, well, I've still got a running business, but um, it was kind of a half marathon group. And our target market was basically runners who were trying to get faster or gym people who were wanting to run. So fit people who wanted to run. And we decided to start this beginner, kind of like a, a couch to five, but do it in a group training environment. And we basically failed. And we, we, we put it all together. I worked ages on it. The first group we did, everyone failed. And I was gutted. Like I was absolutely, like seriously. Because, you, you know, it was, yeah, like seriously, because it was like, I put all this time and effort in. I really thought I was doing something that was really special. And, and, and I had to convince these people who were kind of just my mum and her friends, basically, um, that I was going to help them get to exercise. And they all failed. And I felt I felt miserable. But luckily, I didn't give up. So then we went back to the drawing board. We re, we actually did a lot of research on, we interviewed everyone who didn't make it. We did a lot of research. And we basically established why we got it wrong the first time. And then when we went back to the drawing board, the second time we did it, I think we had like 36 or eight people in the group. And I think of those 34 ended up running 5K. And yeah, and from that period of time, we've trained over, I think we'll be coming up to 5,000 people soon. Um, and we have over a 90% success rate. So over 90% of people who join our program end up running 5Ks. And we like when you look at the Couch to 5 app, I think it's only 1.86 of people who, who download the app ever run 5Ks. So we, we just figured out what that journey is for somebody who's, and when you think of that target market, our target market, think of, you know, someone in, in the middle age, overweight, insecure, vulnerable, have almost closed the door to exercise in their life. And so we've kind of figured that out. We kind of figured out how you can do that. And so while I love our running business, I wanted to have a bigger reach because, um, you know, A, not everyone can do what we do in our local area. And B, I wanted to create a, 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 a journey where, because running is not for everyone. Um, so a journey where those who aren't exercising can actually bring exercise into life. And that's kind of what this book's all about. Yeah, um, it sounds awesome. And I really, I do see the audience um, that you're talking about, midlifers as well. Yeah. Um, and yeah, possibly that they've had a really up and down, rocky relationship with exercise. Like they've probably joined the boot camp. And then, you know, they did that for 10 weeks and then they didn't want to go back for more punishment. The idea of parting with money and and doing that at the same time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but also just people that maybe they didn't play sport as a kid. Mm. You know, they didn't go the sport route. They didn't. And base, and back then to these these people that are in midlife today, 
if you weren't in a team or you weren't playing sport, there wasn't really a lot for you. You either go to the gym or there wasn't really anything. And then yeah. even the acceptance that walking every day wasn't a thing, right? Mm. So yeah. Um, yeah, it is really interesting that you've you've pointed out. So I've got some questions for you. Okay. Um, so with the midlife market and the exercises, getting people into exercise at that point of time, what's the biggest challenge that you see? Because I've kind of talked on what I think I see, but what's mm. the biggest challenge that you actually see? You've got some information, you've got some data, you've done some surveys. What's the biggest challenge with midlifers? I think there's a few. I think, first of all, you kind of touched on it there, is that they have a history of failure. And I think it's really interesting, you know, if, if we ever try anything in life and we fail, it's harder to try the next time. And the thing I often say is that those who are unsuccessful with exercise, it's not that they haven't tried. They've often tried many times and have failed. So when you kind of get to that midlife period, well, suddenly, you know, you've probably had five or six experiences over your time where you didn't stick at it. It wasn't an enjoyable experience. You actually left it a bit scarred from that experience. So, so now when you think about trying to move toward it again, and you're a little bit older and your body's probably a little more tired, you might be holding a bit more weight. That's a massive barrier. And, and I think that's one of the biggest problems they have is that actually, and also what happens is when they go into exercise, they have a story that's working against their success. So if you've failed 10 times at something, then the next time you go into it, you're going to go into it with that story. And one thing I learned pretty quickly is that those who struggle with exercise can have one bad experience and they'll quit. Because, because what happens on that one bad experience is it reinforces the story that they have behind exercise. Whereas if you look at you and I, mate, we have suck experiences all the time. Yeah. It's just a part of the exercise journey. But we know, turn up the next day, you'll probably have a great session. And so the first thing is, is we need to create a different pathway, which creates a different story. That's really, and I, and, I, and I think you need to create experiences to create pathways, not I should just create a story. And I'll talk a little bit about it in a second. The second thing I think is they need to learn to make a decision to make change. Because I think what happens when we get to a certain period in life is we're just really good at kicking the ball up the road, especially if things are a bit of a challenge. Mm. So it's, it, there's, and it, there's always a good reason not to start today. And it's often really justified. So, you know, if if you're not exercising right now, I guarantee you could probably say, well, I'm really busy at the moment. The kids will work. We're going on holiday soon. So there's always these reasons that you actually can justify not starting. The problem is there's always going to be a reason tomorrow why you can't start as well. Mm. And I think that the, the, probably the biggest decision they need to make is to actually go, you know what? I need to start today. And then I think the third is, actually learning the, the right lessons at the right time. Because I think what a lot of people, when they and this isn't just you know middle-aged people, I think what most people do is they go, I'm dissatisfied where I am. I need to create change. They look for the result that they want without consideration of where they are on their journey. And when we think about where they are on their journey, we're thinking of a couple of things. First of all, where they are mentally on their journey. And then also where they are practically on their journey, but also where they are physically on their journey. So what a lot of people go is, oh, I want to lose 10 kg. So they'll buy some program that tells them I'm going to lose 10 kgs in four weeks. They don't, they don't have the skill sets. They don't have the mindsets. They don't have the, the physical to actually achieve that. And we've, you know, I'm sure many people listening to this have bought a fitness program and haven't even done day one. Mm. You know, and so to me, and, and what we've got to think about is, what are the foundations that we need to build into your life where fitness is a part of a fitness lifestyle? 
And so to me, it's that we need to, you to make a decision, but then we need to give you the wisest pathway that's allowing you to build those foundations. Yeah. I guess it's also creating the why for mm. a lot of people. Like they, you know, they have whys in so many other areas of their lives. They have whys across, you know, their career success or their their partnership and their relationship and why they with that person, but they don't really prioritize the fact that having a why for your own personal health is actually a really bloody good thing. Because if yeah. you didn't have that, you couldn't have this and this, right? Yeah. They, it's just ba- basic back to the, you know, health is wealth. Well, well, what's right? really interesting, if we, if we think of the middle age person, I'm 45, so I'm kind of hitting that period That's myself you. now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're there. And so the most important thing becomes health. Yeah. You know, like in the next part of your life, you know, when you hit your 60s, the age is health is number one if you haven't got your health when you hit that period and so like if you haven't looked after it to this point in time it actually becomes really important that you start to bring it in your life because and if you get to your 60s and your health is restricting your life and not you know we could talk about big health problems which if you're not active and healthy that that's probably there's a higher percentage that's going to happen but it's also just your lived experience like I, i recently we had a lady do run 5k with us recently and she was like 110 kg, hadn't exercised forever, mid 40s. And I saw her the next week and I said to her, what was it like running 5Ks? And, and she said it was absolutely amazing, but she said it wasn't actually the highlight of my weekend. And I thought it would have been because she was kind of crying as she came across the finish line. And she said, no, the, the highlight was the next day I went to the park with my teenage boys. And normally when we go to the park and we're just kind of mucking around, you know, playing touch and stuff, I sit on the sideline thinking I wish I could participate. Mm. And she said, the next day I got up and I played, you know, just some touch with the boys. And she said, that was the highlight of my, it was almost like the highlight of my year because I'm actually getting to live the life I want to live. And I think as we age, health is so important, but also if you want to have good, that last period of your life is that lived experience is also really important as well. Yeah. Okay. So giving a synopsis of your book without like reading it right now. (laughs) (laughs) We need to hear some of these top tips to help people get into exercise. And obviously I focus on the midlife market, um, predominantly women. So Mm. if we could talk to a midlife woman who has had multiple bad experiences with exercise or has actually just dropped exercise as a regime in their life today because they put on the weight, the hormones have shifted, blah, 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 blah. How do we get them thinking and back into loving exercise. How do you do that, Bevan? <laughs> well, I, I think you've got to start from what do the people who have a lifetime love have? And then how do we build that framework in the non-exercise life in a really safe manner? So if we look at someone who loves exercise like you and I, well, first of all, we prioritize it. We yeah. wake up in the morning, we go, how do we make sure we get our movement in? Yeah, I just want to point out that. So today, this is happening all throughout New Zealand, but there's multiple... Um, uh, storms, storms and stuff yeah. happening right yeah. so there was I woke up the alarm went off at 4 45 that's my get up for a workout if it do, if I don't get up it doesn't happen okay right and I know later on in the day this is just an example but later on in the day I literally don't have the motivation so I know that about myself the motivation mm. wanes as the day moves on yeah um but we've got these storms happening and at 4 45 the alarm went off and it was like the house was shaking. (laughs) It was wild. And I thought then, you know what, I don't think I need to go to the gym today because I'll probably get really wet. And then the thoughts of no, because you know what's going to happen. You've got back to back interviews. Mm. You've got this, you've got that, you've got basketball with your son, you've got this and this. It's not going to happen unless it happens now. So I can sort of say that, you know, prioritizing that, that's absolutely true. Like if it doesn't happen, even for someone like me, 
I can't do it at the other end of the day. And plus, I know it's not good for me at the other end of the day. To help What's really interesting, it. well, I'll, I'll come back to you in a second, because you're a really good example that we'll touch on in a second. So the so first thing is you prioritize it. Secondly, you tend to have found a movement you enjoy. Mm. You know, like, you know, and it might be gym, it might be basketball, it might be, might be running, you know, there's, when you find a movement you enjoy, motivation is so much more easier because you want to be doing the movement. You know, the next thing is they tend to have found a community of great leaders around them. You know, like those who, the, and I'm not just talking about people who have a regular exercise routine, I'm talking about people who get the most out of exercise. Next up, they go on growth journeys. So they have these journeys where they learn about themselves through the physical, they've developed character. So, and, and all this leads to a place where they've got a routine where they feel dissonance if they don't exercise. So if they don't exercise, it feels a bit wrong, mm. you know, and that's a really good thing to have in your life. Because if you feel dissonance by not exercising, it means you get back to exercise. And so that's kind of the kind of person we're trying to create. Now, the thing we need to acknowledge is that the person who's not exercising has no skills around exercise. So what, what I wanted to do is I, you've, I'm a big believer and we've got to create experiences to create belief. And so what we need to do is we need to navigate those experiences so we're given the right experiences at the right times. So for example, the way I've written the book is basically each chapter kind of starts with a story, which is basically leading to a lesson. Then I reveal the lesson, then there's kind of a challenge that the person has to do. And there's kind of 10 challenges you need to do throughout the book. But with once I reveal the challenge, then I give you the rules, strategies, and mindsets that you need to apply that are based on the beginner experience. So for example, the first lesson you learn is how to get out the door with the right attitude. And what I'm really trying to focus on here is how do you actually fit exercise into your life? And at a, at a level where you can be successful. Now, with that in mind, some of the rules and strategies we apply is, first of all, the only thing we're focusing on in your first part of your journey is the habit building. Okay, so like your example is a really good example. You're a, a legendary fitness person. You've been in the game forever. You know the tricks of the trade. When you had a moment of doubt this morning, you went to great strategies to make sure you got out of bed. Now, these are tools and skills you've developed. You know, now you also, your conditions are pretty tough. You're getting up extremely early. You give yourself a time gap, you know. So for the beginner, that'd be the worst thing we could do, you know. <laughs> you know, and, and if I were to say to a beginner, be like Tracy tomorrow, they're going to fail. But when I heard myself say it, I still thought, oh, that's so weird. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so what we've got to think about is what's the easiest way for them to be successful? So in the first chapter, you've got to do 12 exercise sessions in a month. Now, what we what I say is the exercise has to seem easy because I don't want the exercise to be a barrier. Like if I were to say to you, you need to do a 30-minute hits workout or go for an hour run and you, done exercise in, that, that, and you haven't done exercise in a long time, now you've got another barrier. So if you go for a 10-minute walk, it's a win because what I'm trying to teach you is how to fit it into your life. Secondly, you're not allowed to judge the physical results. Mm. Because we're not trying to worry about physical results, we're trying to build a habit. So in the first chapter, the only thing you're allowed to measure is, did I do the tools around the habit? So for example, did I set an alarm to go to bed at nine o'clock at night so I got up in time to do my exercise? Did I, did I pack my bag the night before? When the alarm went off, did I put my feet straight out of bed and put myself in the right mindset? Like all that stuff you talked about. That's the thing, Those, that's what we're going to measure in that first moment. Another thing I talk about is, um, when you're when you're doing exercise, you have to keep it as easy as possible as well. What was that? No, I had another one that I was going to talk about there. But ultimately, what we're trying to do is, oh no, plan it in the time in your week when you have the highest chance of success. So if you know you're not a morning person, 
why would you plan it in the morning? Because it's another barrier. Whereas if you know you have an hour at lunchtime, you could easily do a 15 minute walk, do it then. So what we're trying to do is stack the cards in your favor so that you A, can do 12 exercise sessions in a month, which really what you're trying to learn is how to fit it into my life. Be at a level where you feel successful and see, put your focus on the right thing. So at the end of the first month, you've done 12 exercise sessions, you realize you can fit it into your life and you're starting to feel successful. So this is, you know, so it's not just do 12 exercise sessions a month. It's how do you actually navigate it based on knowing that you're a beginner? And it's a, that's why, it's, you know, and so then the next chapter, we kind of go into helping you find a movement you love. Well, in this, in this chapter, well, you've, got to, you've got to try different movements. Mm. Now, let's be honest, if you suck at exercise, you're going to be really vulnerable going into exercise environments. So I give you tools and strategies to help you go into them in a safe way where you give yourself permission to put your feet in the water without feeling vulnerable, without feeling like you're failing, you know, so you can actually get the experiences. So that at the end of that period, you've suddenly found a movement that you actually enjoy doing, you know, and so that's the whole idea, the premise of the book is that I'm trying to lay that foundation of the lifetime love but giving you these experiences, but also giving you the tools and strategies so you can guide through it wisely based on being a beginner. Like if you're listening to this right now and you're not exercising, do you think you could do 12 exercise sessions in the next month at a time in your week where you guarantee you can be successful at an easy level? Yeah, and, absolutely. I mean, if yeah. you're asking me, I would, mm. but when you say 12 exercise sessions, that's the word exercise that kind of makes you blanch a little bit. Yeah. Whereas if you say 12 uh movement sessions of something that you enjoy doing that's gonna make you feel yeah. good <laughs> yeah. you know yeah. it's, kind of, it's, it's literally what you've already played um laid out yeah. there's a lot of psychological play here yeah and I, yeah i mean yeah. what you're talking about and the way you describe it i'm like you've really figured out the way people think yeah. and understanding how people think and their pain points has given you the the content to write about yeah. so it's amazing and even like in that first chapter like i talk about yeah. i talk about the bad day strategy you know because again the, the unsuccessful person has one bad day and they quit. So in that, in that first section, I have, okay, what happens on a bad day? And I give you how you navigate through a bad day. And and the reason I know this is because I've dealt with 5,000 people who haven't you know, been unsuccessful. So they've just taught me the lessons. And I've over time, I've kind of realized, oh, this is how somebody needs to navigate that water. Um, and, you know, and then ultimately what we're doing is layering those lessons and those experiences. So you're building that framework. And because I didn't want it to be, here's a four-week challenge, you know, that you're successful for and then you fall away. I wanted to create a lifetime foundation for a fitness lifestyle. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we're definitely on the same page with that. I, I am that person that sort of disses the 30-day challenges and 30 days to wellness and 30 days to gut reset. <laughs> like yeah. every time I see that type of marketing, I roll my eyes. Yeah. And I think... It is because we bought into it when we're younger because we can make it work for us. Like we know, you know, 30 days is a short period of time. And when you're younger, you actually can get quite rapid physical results. As you get older, that is not, it's not going to work like that anymore. Yeah. You know, fitness and health and nutrition is actually a long end game. And it's yeah. like for the rest of your life, if you look back, you go, okay, I probably have more days back there than I've got moving forward. And so things have got to change a little bit. My Sexy Aging Lifestyle course launched last month and I couldn't have been happier with the response by women who've taken the course. Here's what Fiona, a Canadian fitness professional and trainer for CanFit Pro had to say. I really enjoyed the chapter-based learnings on video. Tracy knows her stuff and is super engaging. As a 26-year veteran of the fitness industry, there's always more to know and to keep us going through the next 26 years. 
This course is a great place to dig deep and come away with tools and tips, not just for yourself, but for clients. Thanks, Fiona. My goal is that this course is for all women, those who want to know about menopause and those going through it now. The course will help you understand your body and the easy hacks you can start today to successfully implement and support your symptoms. I have a podcast exclusive discount without an expiry date if you're interested. Go to www.sexyaging.com and use the code sexyaging10 for 10% off this course. I'll put that in the show notes. See you there. I wanted to talk about something you brought up. Don't judge the physical results. Yeah. Um, this is really yeah, hard. Yeah, this is hard because yeah. it is a lot about what, uh, how fitness and exercise is marketed to us. So, yeah. you know, it's about... So I think, know, and, and I think I think that's really important. And it was actually interesting. I was talking to a friend of mine, a mate of mine, who's a real good exerciser. He goes to the gym every morning. And I was telling him about the book and I was telling him that, about that, that kind of concept of in the first part, don't because you know because the thing is if i'm saying do easy exercise which is achievable for someone who's not exercising they're probably not going to get great physical results in that first moment um and so if we if they jump on the scales or if they you know after that first month and they've lost weight what and he, basically i was telling my mate about this and he said well it's really funny because he had a friend who is a really unfit guy really unhealthy guy probably about 50 started doing exercise was doing really well for three weeks jumped on the scales hadn't lost weight so he quit yeah you know, and, and so the problem there is if if our first job is to build a habit, if you measure the physical results, and if the first job is to build a habit in the safest way possible, where you can be successful, if you measure the physical results, you're probably going to feel a little bit disappointed. Now, in saying that, if my mate's friend had stuck at it and, and focused on the right things, he would have made amazing physical results. But it's that trust of if I build the foundation, I'll get the physical results. But the problem is, is that we are attracted to the quick fix. Like I remember once I helped this lady lose like 50 kgs and, and it was building a life. It took, it took us about 18 months. Um, and it was a building a life and a foundation around eating movement and, and healthy lifestyle and stress releases and stuff like that. And I remember when she was close to the end, she said, the thing was, you always hear about the person who lost it overnight. And it's like, realistically, there aren't that many people who do that. You know, realistically, and most of the people who lose it overnight do the quick fix, end up putting it back on. Yeah, like because the people that go into the biggest loser competitions. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I mean, there's a lot to, li- there's a lot. It's, it, we were talking about this with my husband. So he was the biggest loser Asia yeah. trainer. And yeah. we were talking about this the other day. I only just remembered that he did that. And we, we, we thought like, why was it that they got such significant results? Well, they were shut away from the rest of the world. They had no other, yeah. you know, life, life. Other, yeah. other, other, other than to train. And then of course, so many of them, you know, put the weight back on. So, oh, really? Yeah. Do they? Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and that's the problem with those shows is that they're just selling a quick fix. And really, if you, we've got to create a, we've got to create behavior change for the long term. Yeah. And so then what's that pathway to successfully do that? So, you know, like as much as you want to jump on scales and see results, I like the idea of just doing a chart, like doing a success chart. So you basically write down the behaviors that you're going to focus on. So you have that on the fridge. So it is the set my bedtime alarm. It is you know, playing my, my gear. It is putting myself in the right mindset. And then when you get in, you tick that off. And then what you can do is you're going to have a reward for that. So you might say, if I can do my behaviors that set me up to get out the door to do exercise for the next month, at the end of, so I buy myself a really cool fitness top. 
So there's the reward, but it's a reward that's focusing on the behaviors, not necessarily. Now, the thing is, you will get physical results. And I'm not saying you won't get physical results because I want you to get physical results. But if you build that habit, you're going to progress. You're going to get to a point where you want to go harder. You are going to get, you know, you are going to evolve in your fitness journey. But if you can't build the foundation, you're never going to get there. Yeah. No, it's so true. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about your fitness regime now, because obviously both of us have aged incredibly well. <laughs> we are kicking ass. <laughs> um, but, you know, we put a lot of thought and um, research into what we do and how we do it now. So um, what do you do that is different to what you were doing maybe in your mid-20s? Probably a lot less, but I was very extreme. So I was exercising 25 to 35 hours a week in my 20s. You know, and I was doing Ironman triathlon. So I was pretty much, my day was exercise. Like I, yeah. I pretty much was averaging anywhere from four to eight hours a day. Um, so I do a lot less, but I do think there are some things that are really important, especially if you're an exerciser. So one thing is never stop. Mm. I think that's really important. Never stop moving. Whatever yeah, it is, just yeah. keep moving. Yeah. yeah Get like up multiple I've, I've, times a day. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've, yeah. I've never stopped my exercise routine. And I've never had a three month. I, I did have a back operation um, about two years ago. Um, and I had to pull back there and I wisely never get it back. But I just think the problem when you age is the cost of stopping is really high. Yeah. You know, and so if you have time off when you're older, a, you, you tend to, there tends to be more damage. So you tend to put more weight on, you tend to lose more fitness quickly. Yeah. B, coming back's way harder. C, people tend to get injured. Because what happens as we get older, like it's really interesting. I, what I've learned as I've got older is increasing loading needs to be managed much more wisely. Mm. Like when I was in my 20s and 30s, I could, you know, not be doing much running, go for a three hour run tomorrow and it'd be fine. Whereas now, if I want to add more loading to my week, I've got to be really careful because if I jump the loading too quickly, I get injured. And so I think it, it's you're just going to be much more wiser about how you bring it back. But you, you find when people pull back from exercise, they come back with the attitude they had in the past. So they know they can push themselves, but their mm. body's deconditioned. And because they don't have that youthful side of themselves, they just get injured. And then what happens, you see this a lot of runners, you know, people, mid, middle-aged runners, is they'll have a break, they'll, they'll come back, they get injured, then they come back again, they go too hard, they get injured again. So when, then what happens is they end up telling themselves, I can't run because I just get injured. But it's actually, I don't manage to journey back in a wise way, so I get injured. You know, so I just think that load and intensity management becomes a much more delicate thing as you age. Um, and so that, that, those are probably the key things. I've never actually had time off other than the back operation. I've never really stopped. Um, and I and, and to be honest, I, I'm 45 in about three weeks. Um, I'm very lucky because I actually don't feel I've lost a lot, huge amount yet. Like I, I can't tuck jump as much as I used to be able to. Um, but generally speaking, um, my fitness is still very strong. Yeah. 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 Now I remember even yeah, my mid 40s. So I'm 52 now, but mid 40s, yeah. I was like freaking fit, like really yeah. fit, doing heaps of hit and yeah, no worries. And then obviously I hit perimenopause, <laughs> yeah. and yeah. then things change. And so you yeah. know, I've learned a lot more how to manage that. Very similar to you, yeah. that there is. There's a, there was actually a quite a substantial change to my exercise regime. Yeah. Um, what way? Um, I went back to heavy weight training. So yep. I used to weight train in my twenties. You probably mm. know that about me. I used to compete, mm. miss fitness and stuff. And so yeah. weight training was the foundation of my workouts. And now I'm kind of back there. Okay, um, nice. So it's heavy functional weight training twice a week minimum. Uh, I don't do little little bicep curls or anything like that i don't yep. do Compounds toning and... yeah it's all compound and um 
and I do a little bit of, uh, I teach a couple of spin classes, which keeps my cardiovascular fitness up there. And then I do a shitload of yoga, (laughs) lots and lots, like almost daily. So, um, and that's, that actually has helped me uh, manage my sleep, um, my stress, recovery. I don't get injured. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's, it's been, it's been a really good journey. I think this is the cool thing about fitness is like, even for us, we, we're having these journeys and yeah. it's, but we never lose sight of the fact that we love our bodies yeah. moving in some yeah. way, which is cool. Yeah. I still dance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> still dancing. Okay. Um, can you give us some of your top nutrition tips, like five top tips? Oh, it's a big one. Um, I should have told you about this in advance, but I just yeah, yeah my five top tips. <laughs> I, I like the idea of being a habitual eater, and what I mean by that is, um, I think that, like, let's be honest, ninety-nine percent of people know what they should be eating. You know, yeah. like, you, you know, I, I get there's probably a certain aspect of our community that doesn't quite know, but I think most of us know that what a basic health diet is. Um, it's the application is the problem. So when we think about that then we've got to go, okay, well, how do we make application more successful? And I have this concept of being a habitual eater and basically kind of just eat the same thing at the same time every day, you know, you know, like, and, and that's how I work, you know, like other than my dinner, which my wife will kind of make different dinners and, and it's always very pretty healthy um, is my breakfast is the same, same thing, same thing every day. Now, some people might say there's not much variety to that. You might choose three or four meals, but if you can figure out what that is, because what it does is it takes the thinking out of it. Mm. You know, you just know I'm going to wake up. I'm going to do this at lunchtime. I'm going to do this. And so, when I think when you have to make, you know, like you know, when you go out for lunch with a friend, suddenly you've got to make choices around food, and suddenly temptation is an option, and suddenly so on and so on. So I like the idea of just being a habitual eater. And, and I'm not if you're someone on a weight loss journey. Not that I've really focused. I have helped people lose weight, but it's not my real focus. I like getting people moving. But um, I always think a really cool approach would be literally a really nail one aspect of your eating each day for for like focus on let's say the first eating meal of your day for a month and really and make that a habit and then focus on the next one and again you're not going to see fast results that way but you'll gain setting up long-term habits so my first one is is if you can create habitual eating and with good choices good portions and kind of just make it so the thoughts out of your head here's just what i do each day at that time um what would be my other um I'm not, uh, what would be other tips around nutrition? I do think you need, I think learning, now this is a skill, a healthy amount of temptation. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like for me, mine is, I have two chocolate biscuits at lunch and I have five bits of dark chocolate every night. Awesome. You know? Yeah. You know? But for me, it's never a block of chocolate. Yeah. It never turns into a pack of biscuits. And I think that's a skill. You know, it's, it's to learn. Now, part of it is when I have those things, I enjoy the crap out of them. Mm-hmm. I have no guilt associated to it. You know, it is just, you know, it is just what I do, you know. And um, But also it's that have temptation or have, I don't know, just have things you enjoy, that which maybe don't fit in a certain box. But at the same time, you know, if, if you can maintain that level, enjoy it, but don't let it slip. Yeah. You know, Um I also will have, well, I don't really have a cheat day, but I have, like if I go out for dinner, I'm yeah. not stupid about it, you know. Yeah. Now, admittedly, I exercise a lot, so I get away with a lot more. Um, so I have that. Um, what other tip would I give you? Uh, I think actually probably one of the most important is learn for other ways to deal with stress. 
Mm, that's you know, a good think, one. Yeah, because yeah. I ultimately think when a lot of the people I've worked with who have lost weight and it's about a weight loss journey, it's it's ultimately about teaching them how to deal with stress in healthier ways. And it's really interesting when we look at, like, it's interesting, we've had dry July just being, I don't yeah. know, yeah, yeah, dry July, don't drink for July, basically. Yeah. And um, I tell the story of, there's a lady I met a few years ago, she was doing dry July. And I, you know, I thought it'd be kind of a cool experience, you know, you're doing dry July, you'd be feeling really empowered. And it, it was kind of like this, it was like two days before the end of July. And I said, how you found it? She goes, it sucked. I was like, what do you mean it sucked? And she goes, well, I've had no way to de-stress. Mm. And it was, it blew my mind away because basically the only way she could de-stress in life was to drink alcohol. So this month was actually just a horrible month for her because she just had no way to de-stress. And I think for, unfortunately for a lot of people, alcohol and food yeah. is how they de-stress. And so what we've got to do is we've got to teach you other ways to de-stress. So, so obvious things like exercise, obvious things like reflection journals or creativity or talking to people, but actually in consciously injecting those in your day like when I think about how I plan my day I'm very I'm very kind of anal on how I plan my life and I plan it around energy management and stress management so I don't just plan here's what I got to do today at this time like for example I, I I'm, I'm up at the same time in the morning to you so I kind of work for about three or four hours in the morning then I'll stop having early lunch and meditate yeah. then I'll work for another few hours then I'll stop and play my piano and then, and then I'll do something else and, I'll, and at night I'll write a journal. So I've got these moments in my day which help me manage my energy, but also give me these stress offloads. And so stress never really gets to that point where I go, where, where it comes damaging. Yeah. And I think for a lot of people on food and alcohol, and if you're listening to this and you're going, I know that's me, well, don't beat yourself up first of all. But secondly, when you feel those moments of stress, develop other ways you know so it might be i feel like i had a lady who was basically eating a block of chocolate at night yeah and um and she was a solo mum, worked hard amazing mum for a kid and she didn't have much support from her from the father so you know she was a pretty phenomenal young woman and and she actually wasn't overweight she was just but she hated the fact she had a whole block of chocolate every night you know she, she just hated it. she just once she ate it she just lived in that guilt and so what we established was she'd get to eight o'clock at night and she was just written off. You know, she was just, by the time she got the kid to bed, it was just, she was just KO'd. And so the, the thought would pop in her head. She had no resistance and she'd lose the battle. And so what we did for her was basically when her kid went to bed, she had to go have a 10 minute nap and then write down some objectives for the rest of the night. Now it stopped it straight away. Yeah, because that little nap gave her a bit of a recharge. The objectives gave her a bit of focus, and we and we also talked about what are some other ways you can get relaxation at the end of the night. Mm. So by her dealing with a better way of deal with stress, she basically lost a habit that was really quite harmful to her. Mm. And I think that ultimately, when it comes to food and alcohol, and I've got nothing against food and alcohol, but I think if you're using it as a way to de-stress, it's probably really important you spend some time developing healthier ways to deal with your stress. Yeah, because everything the other thing about that is. It's not just that it's an unhealthy way to deal with stress. It creates a bigger cost. So if you're eating a block of chocolate at night, you're going to put weight on. And if you're going to put weight on, you're probably going to feel crap about yourself. And if you feel crap about yourself, you're probably going to eat more chocolate. So it becomes this loop. Um, and so to me, it's for a lot of people out there, if you know you're using unhealthy ways to deal with stress and really see it as in I'm developing healthier ways. You know, so that, yeah. those, those are some tips. So good. Thank you, Bevan. Um, because we've been talking about chocolate a lot and you did mention that you have, you know, <laughs> just your 
your small amount every now and again. Um, to finish up and wrap up the podcast episode, what is the brand of chocolate that you are eating? I <laughs> uh, see. I like um, the Whitaker's Dark Ghana. Yep, yeah, that's what my husband likes as well. I also like Whitaker's, but Whitaker's all of it. <laughs> <laughs> Any of it, anytime. No, actually, I, I, I don't eat. I don't eat a lot of it either. But when I have it, it's just like it's so good. It never disappoints. Yeah, so enjoy this it. This is for people outside of New Zealand. Um, if you're able to access Whitakers, I could get it in Kuala Lumpur, but it was oh, like you, you know so expensive. Um, so get on to Whitakers chocolate. That's our final message for today from Sexy AG. Thank you so much, Bevan. Can I just say, if you want to get yes. my book, go oh, to yes. w- yeah, if you want to get my book, go to www.passionaboutexercise.com. If you aren't exercising, A, make that decision, but B, this is a pathway that brings it into your life. So thanks for having me, Tracy, and it was good talking. Awesome. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did catching up with my guest. If you are enjoying the podcast, don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends and feel free to rate and review too. For the book, online course, blog, workshops and coach calls, subscribe to www.sexyaging.com. That's aging with an E.